welcome to the Bullcast Podcast. I'm Katie Pickler, and with me is Cameron Spann. Oh, hello. And Court Winsett. Well, I see how this works. <laughs> it always throws me off whenever you do that. You swapped us. Well, because you're trying to swap where I sit. Apparently, I keep moving away from the guys, and it's like I'm inching closer and closer, and before you know it, I'm going to be outside, and there's going to be You keep inside. moving towards the corner, and you don't sound as good in the corner. It, it's echoey when you're in the corner, and also, nobody puts baby in the corner. <laughs> it's like you're in a little lifeboat, and every week, you kind of float further <laughs> float out. a little further away, <laughs> trying to get away from you guys. I'm trying to plan for the end. Oh, Oh my word! That was wow. That was a, that was quite the segue. I think game. that was a titular moment. I think the title of this will be "Planning for the End." Planning for the end. So this might be a little weird topic for us to talk about, but I mean, it, it's a financial thing to think about. We wanted to do an episode about funeral planning, and unfortunately, um, Court's experiences personally very recently. Several of us have been there with relatives, friends, family, and we've experienced it with clients on. When someone passes away, whether you kind of see it coming or it's unexpected. And from this episode, we're kind of talking about the difference of pre-planning versus you got to scramble, someone's passed away and you've got to get stuff done. And just kind of just the different little weird quirks that you haven't thought about. But before we get into that, we've got to talk about some of the saddest movie deaths of all time. Okay, so this is a morbid topic, and that is a morbid-sounding list, but honestly, I haven't been so excited about a list in a while, because this list has got some stuff that is spot-on in terms of, like, movie deaths that are just scarring. If you didn't walk out of at least one of these movies with a tear in your eye, then are you really human? I I just want to know. Inquiring minds want to know. So, Katie, kick it off. No, this is yours. You kick it off. (laughs) No. Fine. First one on this list. So, this is from... A list that has the 50 saddest movies of all times, and we're not doing all 50. So the first one on this list is Emma Greenway from Terms of Endearment. Yes, of course. Deborah Winger's character, Shirley MacLaine, Jack Nicholson, one of the grand sad movies. Grand sad movie. It's a terrible, (laughs) terrible sad movie. But, I mean, in terms of just like overall sad death from a movie, the one that just gets me every time, and I rewatch it, and Keiki says that I'm torturing myself and everybody else in the house, but I do like fast forward specifically to a 15 minute section of the movie so that I can watch over and over again Tony Stark's death in Avengers Endgame. Man, that will break your heart. When he snaps? Yeah. I mean, it just, it gets me every time. And Keiki will walk into the room and go, you are not watching Tony Stark's death again. I'm like, yes, I am. (laughs) Oh, like most people avoid it. So I mean, it's not on this list. So sorry, Cam, I'm gonna jump real quick in here. But Armageddon is used to be one of my absolute favorite movies. Still love it. But I would dread when I'd like see it on the TV and I'm like, oh, Armageddon's on. And it would always be right before the scene where Liv Tyler's having to say goodbye to her dad. And he, like, oh, just like tears. Don't oh my gosh. close my eyes. So that was a gut-riching one. But like, unlike you, sadistic, crazy person who <laughs> goes to watch the death scenes, I would try and avoid watching that death scene because I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not in a place that I can cry. <laughs> Let's talk about old Yeller. I mean, Aww. when yeah. the dog dies in any movie... It's oh, yeah. awful. It's not on this list, but I went to go see Marley and Me with oh, my wife gosh. when it came out in theaters. Mm-hmm. Didn't know what to really expect. I hadn't read the book or mm. knew much about it. The dog dies, mm-hmm. and I'm sitting there, Spoiler tears off. coming down my eyes, mm-hmm. and I have to look to my side just to compose myself. And I look to my side, and this strange stranger, this woman, is staring at me doing the same thing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> and we locked eyes, and I was like, I don't like it. 
So old yellow. I don't like locking eyes with strangers, no. but that's you know. Yeah. I feel like that's a requirement. Like if some a new dog movie comes out, I always ask the question like. Is the animal going to die? Because I don't want to watch this. Well, if listen, it dies. one of the most gut wrenching moments of, of for me recently was I've been bedridden for a little bit, and so I've been <laughs> like watching movies that are on my second or third time around. And right now, HBO Max has the John Wick Chronicles, so they've mm-hmm. got John Wick one, two, and three. And of course, John Wick one kicks off his whole search for vengeance is based on the fact that some some thugs kill his puppy. And I mean, that that right there just, you know, uh, that'll just set you off. But anyway, back to the list. <laughs> Katie. Katie, number four. Beth March from Little Women. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, obviously. Um, and then Bambi's uh-huh. mom is yeah. another given one. Yeah. Bubba Blue from Forrest Gump. Bubba. Aww. Yeah. Poor Very Bubba. sad. Uh, Jack Dawson, Titanic. Which Wah, get on the there's door. There's so many theories going around right now on could they both have fit on the door and that well, Somebody said, I, and I haven't watched it in a minute, but somebody said that the scene actually shows him try to get up on the door and the door starts to topple. So that's why he stops trying because he doesn't want to pitch Rose into the water. Yeah, That's so, a movie that will not die. It's coming back Valentine's. Did you know that? For its 25th? Coming back to theaters in 3D. I, I remember when I got it and it was like the two VHSs. Yep. Like, I know exactly a- where that first VHS stopped. Yeah. I know that exact scene. Mm. Okay, so next would be Mufasa. Oh, this Lion death. King. Oh, See it again. Tragic. Mufasa. It is time. I don't know. See, y'all are guys, so you may not experience this, but um, I was watching Oliver and Company. I have a point. I was watching Oliver and Company with my nieces showing them that movie, and at the beginning, like, I had some tears when, like, poor little Oliver was, like, getting rained on, and no one loved him, and it's just like, <gasps> but it's like, I think you get emotions as you get older. <laughs> like as a kid, I don't think you were like crying. You were like, oh, I'm sad. Why does no one love the kitty? And as an adult, you're like, oh my God. Lion King is one of the greatest but Disney yes, animated Mufasa. films. A uh, quick Disney trivia. Pocahontas and Lion King were being created at the same time. And Disney projected that Pocahontas would be the successful film. It was the princess. So they put their A-team to Pocahontas and kind of the backup reserve animators to Lion King not giving it much time. Mm-hmm. Which film did way better? Lion King. Oh, Lion, King. Lion King, yes. Yeah. Yeah, Broadway shows, everything. But, you know, it's interesting that you should say that because there were some differences. And so they went like, there are some old, what I would consider old school animation scenes in The Lion King, especially during the musical numbers. They they did a lot of just sort of static backgrounds uh-huh. where the like, only thing that was moving was the character. And it's some, you know, especially, I think it's uh, Can't Wait, can't to, wait, be wait to Be King. King. Yeah, that is very much an old school animation They're style that they used They're just all walking on the song. log. Yep. Yeah. Interesting that that came from B Team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next on the list is John Coffey from The Green Mile, oh. a movie I have not seen. <gasps> I know, I keep doing Cam. this. Cameron, it's on my list. Cameron, you gotta watch it. Oh my, that you movie is incredible. Yeah, it really is a great movie. It's uh, a great movie based on a great book. I loved the book and watched the movie. And it's one of those movies that he's, he's done it twice. Frank Darabont, I think, is the d- director of Green Mile. He also directed an earlier short story by Stephen King into a very, very popular hit movie, The Shawshank Redemption. I, I thought they were the same, um, yeah. Yeah, and so he did both of those. Wasn't that Michael my, Duncan Clark? Yeah, that yeah. rest in peace. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was in Armageddon too, and I loved him in that, but he's just a great actor. So you, yeah. Cam, your homework, you gotta watch Green Mile. I'm on it, and I'm jealous of your next pick, Katie. Ellie from Up. Yep. Uh, the I mean, saddest opening to a Disney yeah, film. It's so yeah. sad. He, hands down, the saddest, the saddest opening of a, a lot of films, not just Disney films. Yeah. I, I would put it up there in terms of like sad opening. Right at the very beginning. Yeah. Boom. Uh, next on the next on the list is Ruth Jameson from Fried Green Tomatoes. 
I love this movie, actually. Um, I've watched it numerous times. I love it, and it's, uh, it's, it's a great movie. So what else are you going to do? About it. All right, Satin from Moulin Rouge. Oh. Moulin Rouge, uh, directed by Baz Luhrmann, takes place in a. Is it a brothel? Is Moulin Rouge? Uh, I, th- I thought it was. Or is it more of like a old school dance club? Kind of like a burlesque. Yeah, it's a burlesque. Burlesque. Club. So um, a mixture of the two. Uh, the movie is like you're on drugs. Great soundtrack. Satine, played by Nicole Kidman. Nicole Kidman. Yeah, she dies. Uh, this whole list is spoiler. So whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great movie. I love it. And I was very disappointed at how like unimpressive Moulin Rouge in real life is. It was just kind of like crammed in there. It's like, oh, there it is. And I'm like, oh, that's it? I don't know. I was expecting like, oh. When I first saw that movie, I really wanted to try absinthe. And then I had some. And it, it's fine. It's okay. It yeah. tastes like, I don't know. I, I, I don't even know what it tastes like. like but gr- I like it. Yeah. I mean, licorice Yeah, green licorice. Yeah, it's fun to, to do it if you do the whole process of fixing an absinthe drink. That's the with fun With the sugar part. cube. Yeah. And, yeah. The, and the you can cut it with a Coke. The, yeah. I learned that in New Orleans. Next on the list. Is that you, Katie? I think it is. Han Solo. Mm. Ugh, yeah. We all saw it coming. Yeah. But, I, mean, I mean, it really didn't take me off guard, and I wasn't particularly saddened by it, if I I'm was. being honest. His son, Kylo, betrayed him, so put mad. a saber through his abdomen. So, so mad. This next one, it kind of demarcates the line where I kind of stopped following Pixar movies because yeah. my kids were all grown. So this is probably one of the last Pixar movies that I really watched, but it was later on, and so I'm not real familiar with it. But it's Bing Bong from Inside Out. Her um, imaginary friend. Okay. I, I See, I don't... Yeah, I didn't remember who Bing Bong was. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he kind of has an elephant trunk, and he, uh, Aww, he, he basically saves joy, the emotion. Mm-hmm. In the end, he sacrifices himself. But I love that movie because it really shows the emotions that a child goes through. Mm. Well, apparently Nicole cries every yeah. time she sees this It's scene, emotional. So, yeah. It's a good yeah. soundtrack, too. Mm. Uh, and last on the list is Fantine from Les Mis. And I'm going to object to this one. I mean, if you're going to pick one death in Les Mis that makes you sad, I'm going to go with uh, Eponine every single time. And you know where I stand on Les Mis. I don't like Les Mis, so yes. I don't really care about last <laughs> death. You're also not allowed in this studio. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will say, I have not seen the musical. My first introduction to Les Mis was the Hugh Jackman movie. No, no, and no, And no, I was no, no, bored no, 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 no. out of my mind. Every line was sung and I wanted to leave. No, the the musical. Yes, you have to see it. It's good. <laughs> that, ladies and gentlemen, is the list. We're all going to go cry now as we think about these. How do we brighten up this episode? Let's let's stay funny. It's a tough subject and we shine a light on that stuff. Like obviously you don't want to go home and talk to your spouse about how you racked up credit card debt and you don't really want to talk to your parents or your significant others about, hey, what happens if I die? Or, you know, kind of the planning of, hey, would you ever give me a part of your kidney or lung or something like that? Mm. Like people don't like talking about that, but it's kind of facing the reality because we do all have a time of death. And, you know, when I do financial planning for people, it's like, it'd be great if you tell me the day that you're going to die, because I could make sure you spend your last dollar on that day. But we don't know that. And so that's where, you know, I'll put somebody living to 90 or 100, depending on their longevity on their side. But part of planning and part of what you've got to look at and court, you know, I'm hoping you'll chime in on some of this is. Funeral expenses are expensive. Yes, I can chime in on that. Funeral expenses are, in fact, expensive. (laughs) 
The funny thing about it is, you know, it's not something that you, you're going to be able to just open up something and see the rates. You know, yeah. you've got to go in and talk to a funeral planner and sort of tell them what it is you want. And then they'll give you the price. And uh, and funerals are expensive. Burials, if you're doing a burial, you either have a mausoleum because you're technically not buried. You're above ground in, in, a, in a mausoleum in somewhere like New Orleans where mm-hmm. there's uh, you know, the water table is so high that they can't bury people in the ground or you're being buried in the ground. And in which case you're actually buying a little plot of land for that casket. And, you know, it's a little piece of land that they basically sell to you. And so that's expensive because you've yeah. got to buy the casket. You've got to caskets are expensive. Caskets are expensive. Uh, you've got to have the, the place to actually be buried. Uh, it's a little less expensive to be cremated, but not by as much as you would expect. I mean, you, you don't save as much money as, as I thought you would save by going the cremation route. But it, it does probably cut the expense. Basic funeral package uh, with a burial versus your basic funeral package with the cremation, I think is maybe not quite cuts the expense in half, but it does lower it pretty significantly. A little off topic, but the first time in my adulthood where I was kind of introduced to the morbidity of thinking ahead to my death was when I first started working here and I signed my my will mm-hmm. with our attorney i was like oh this is weird like what if i'm on a ventilator do i want the plug pulled all mm-hmm. that stuff and yeah. yeah that's an interesting point because it is something that i struggle with because i do despite it not being necessarily what my main focus is here anymore um i do still occasionally do estate plans for people and it's still every single time i do an estate plan i have to remind myself that this is my job it is something that i am around on a pretty much a day-to-day basis and I'm very familiar with it and I'm familiar with the feeling of thinking about it. So it does not phase me at all. And when you get like that, you can sometimes have conversations with people that come across to them as very blunt and sort of non-caring unless you try to be sensitive about it. You know, if I if I'm meeting with somebody, let's say I'm meeting with an octogenarian, a person who is in their 80s. I'm like, uh, what is that? If I'm if I'm meeting with someone who's in their 80s and talking okay. about their estate plan, then it's a lot touchier subject to some and I'm like, okay, so when you die, this is what's going to happen and they're yeah. like, "Hey, you know, you're putting me in the ground." And I'm like, "No, I I'm just saying every it's an eventuality for everybody. Granted, this person might be a little closer to it." And so I have to sort of change the way I talk to somebody about it when they could be at death's door. Uh, I've talked to people who were terminal, who had yeah. some sort of terminal diagnosis and were getting all their affairs in order. And they're usually pretty frank about it. They're they're ready to talk about it because they're, they've sort of faced that mortality. They've accepted it and they've decided that they need to do a plan. But somebody who's just getting up in years and doesn't really know, they could last another 20, 30 years, but they want to have this plan in place for their kids or for whatever other reason. You have to be a little bit more sensitive with them. Young people, they don't really generally like the idea of confronting the possibility that they're going to die someday because most young people prefer to think that they're never going to die. Oh, no, 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 no. The plans I've done recently for younger people, I'm like, oh, and I have you passing away at 90. I'm not going to make it to 90. Well, I've had a ton of people say that recently. Like, I'll probably make it to 65. I'll make it to 70. Yeah. I'll make it to 75. Because they don't want to be like the older generation that's just hanging but on. But also, you have so much time left and you're tired and, you know, you're in your 20s or your 30s and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine another 80 yeah. years of this. It's just exhausting. And so you think to yourself, well, you know, 60, 65, I'm comfortable with that being the age. I'll see the end. I used to do that. I used to be all about like 65, man, just and now you're wanting to go. Now to I'm getting closer to 65 and I'm like, oh no, we need to make this last a little longer. 
I know we've got to get into the meat of the show, but I'd be remiss if I didn't pose this question because I think about it a lot and I want to know your opinion. If you were given the opportunity to know the exact day you were going to die, would you want to know that? Absolutely. Katie? Yeah, I think so. For me, no, absolutely not. I think as like kind of an anxious person, like it would just kind of ruin everything. A lot of people would probably say, oh, it'd give me time to go plan. on that one trip and yeah. plan, but... I like to wing it here. You know, just if I find out that I'm, if I know 100 with 100% certainty that I'm going to die in a week, I'm going to live the next week a lot differently than if I know that I'm not going to die until I'm 85. That's, there was a show, I mean, it, it only had one season. I think Lucy Hale was on it called Life Sentence, and it was that mm-hmm. she had cancer, thought she was going to die. So she lived it up like she was dying, and then, oop, she was cured. And so had to like totally try, like, the you know curtains were pulled. She saw everything that was truth because her family had not been acting honest with her. All of that, but yeah, okay. Meat and potatoes of this episode. <laughs> I do kind of one more comment on how we talk to people about death is in kind of tongue in cheek when I'm doing a financial plan with somebody. Um, David says this a lot more than I do because I still am a little weird about talking about death. But when we talk about people having money and that they don't outlive their money, one of the comments is is you know, if we show somebody and they've only got $1,000 left when they hit 90 and are quote unquote dying, then the kind of joke is, well, the check to the undertaker will bounce. <laughs> and that's kind of a funny way, but it's it's very much shedding a light on the fact of planning and making sure that, yeah, if you come in here and like, I don't want to leave any money to my kids. My kids are taken care of. I just want to spend it all. But you've got to think about even when you die, there are still expenses that follow you. You will owe taxes. You'll owe ta- There's a chance that you'll owe taxes. Not yeah. necessarily even estate taxes. Just you got that last income tax return yeah. you got to file. There's a chance that you're going to have to pay for your funeral expenses unless you've made prearrangements. Uh-huh. I mean, you know, yeah, there are things that definitely come up. Yeah. Okay. So step-by-step funeral planning. Plan ahead. Your plan doesn't need to be complicated. Even a simple plan will be helpful to your family. And having it written down, having, you know, multiple people know where it is. So when you do pass away, it's like, here are the wishes. So start with the basics. Interment choices. Burial. Cremation. Donation to medical science. Burial at sea. (laughs) What are you going to choose? And then funeral service choices. A traditional funeral. A memorial service. Graveside service. No service. Irish wake. Um, You know, some people want their funerals to be a party. Some people I've seen a trend, like if they know they're dying, they want their funeral while they're still alive. Mm. So they can kind of hear what people are saying about them and be a part of that. I think I want mine to be a party. I've thought about that the past year. You know, Mm. I don't want everybody to be, I mean, people will be sad no matter what, but let's have some music, maybe like a a jambalaya cookout. You know what I mean? (laughs) I went to a funeral once for a very young person. I mean, this is, I'm talking like a high schooler and uh, he was a, you know, he was a boy scout and, and his entire boy scout troop came to the funeral and there were a lot of young people there. And so there were uh, two acoustic guitarist, singer, songwriter type people who played several songs. And the the young people very much got into sort of a, 
a sing-along type vibe. Yeah. And, you know, they would clap when you were supposed to clap during the song and they would sing along with the musicians and stuff. As positive as a funeral can be, it was one of the more positive. It was a, a sad funeral because the, the person who had passed was mm-hmm. so, so young. But I walked out of that going like, wow, that was a good ceremony. This was That was a good way to send this person off. So yeah, I kind of tend to, to agree with you. It should be a reflection on who you are as a person and what you would want. And so like when my, my grandfather passed away, it was a party. Like we made Margarita Special, which was a drink that he had created with his wife. So like we made that and everyone just came over and socialized and shared memories. I've now changed what I, what I want my funeral to be because if you want it to be a reflection of me, then I want it to be <laughs> like this really, really awkward social situation where everybody shows up and nobody really wants to be there and everybody just sort of quietly leaves without letting people know that they're leaving. Oh, so they ninja. Until the place is empty. <laughs> Everybody's a ninja. <laughs> you have to ninja, ninja. ninja funeral. <laughs> oh, Lordy. We're being playful with this, but it's one of those find out what... You know, if it's if you're planning it, if your parents are planning it, kind of make sure it shows their personality. I love the funerals that and this sounds weird. I love the funerals where someone's like, wear red because it was their favorite color, or wear, you know, turquoise or something. So you're not having to wear the, oh, you know, let me pull a black dress out. I'm going to a funeral. You know, play the songs that you want to play, even if they're kind of weird to be played at a funeral. <laughs> yeah, I think black Tequila is... makes your clothes fall off. <laughs> Looking at you, Court. <laughs> I think black is kind of phasing out for funerals. I went to my first boss, uh, his funeral a few months ago, and I wore the standard black suit and black tie, and I was the only person there with a suit or in black. Mm. Yeah. Uh, having experienced very recently a, a, a memorial service for, for someone, the standard for dress for a funeral has changed, I think, significantly over uh, over the, the last, say, two or three decades. Because I, I definitely, when I was younger, I always wore a coat and tie. And I still tend to mm-hmm. wear a coat and tie because that's what I was taught you wear to funerals. But nowadays, people definitely can come a lot more casually dressed than they used to, I think. Well, it goes with different religions. Um, sure. I mean, I've, I've gone to a couple of Catholic ones recently, and, and I'm not Catholic. And so I was very shocked that there was alcohol at the after reception, the mm-hmm. kind of, vis- uh, not not the visitation, what is it? The kind of where like the family hangs yeah. out and stuff. Yeah. Okay. So we've talked about planning ahead and kind of figuring out the basics. You want to be in the ground? You want to be cremated? What do you want to do? What kind of funeral do you want to have? And I think it's one of those that obviously it depends on the time of year, because if someone unfortunately passes away on Christmas day, that's going to totally change. Mm-hmm the options you have. Okay. Estimate the cost of your funeral. Well, this you don't even, depends. Yeah, it does depend, but you also definitely don't have to estimate it. You mm-hmm. can get a, a firm quote from a funeral home and go ahead and prepay yeah. if you want to. Uh, and you'll know exactly how much that funeral was going to cost, but you can go to a funeral uh, home and, and meet with somebody and they will talk you through pre-arrangements. Um, obviously that can, that can be of tremendous help to your family because it's one less thing that they have to worry about when you actually do pass away. And, and that will let you know exactly how much it's going to cost. You could also go in, tell them what you want. They'll quote you a price and you could say like, okay, but I'm not really ready to, to, to prepay for that right now. And then you've at least got an idea of how much it's going to cost, but then obviously that expense could go up if you live for another two decades after you got that estimate. If you know that you're going to be responsible for your funeral, then maybe it's one of those you, you know, we set aside emergency fund accounts. We set aside, you know, our fun accounts, our travel accounts, maybe an escrow account. Maybe there's 
I don't know. I don't. I don't. Funeral you know. account. I don't know. It's kind of weird. To yeah, think. I'm not sure. I'd want to. I wouldn't say to. like today, court. You need to set that up. But if you were, <laughs> you've been given three to five years 80, to live. Then maybe if you were in your 90s, let's say that if you were in your 90s, then maybe. I, don't know that I, I just. I don't know. That's it's a tough recommendation for me to make to somebody. Let's talk about maybe setting up a funeral account for you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. Okay. Never mind. Make financial arrangements to pay for your funeral. Figure out if you will leave behind enough money to cover the funeral costs and other final expenses. That's kind of the comment I said about the check to the undertaker will bounce. And it's where you need to make sure, obviously, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't Mm -hmm. know what's going to happen. And when we plan, it is something that we've got to plan for worst case scenarios. And so, yeah, if you know that you've got to leave money for your kids to take care of what needs to be done, then make sure you've got that money budgeted. I hope I'm in a place where I can leave money behind to cover it and not leave that on my family. That would be sad. Or you can start pre-planning and pre-pay for your funeral, which is weird to me. Like I I vividly remember as a child, the funeral guy like coming to our, and maybe I've made this up. I don't know. (laughs) But the funeral guy coming to our house and like hearing my parents talking about like their plots and paying for it. And I like was not supposed to be listening and I'm like hiding around the corner and I just got really upset because like, why are y'all, y'all going to die? Like, what is this? So that's traumatic for a kid to think about that. Yeah. And this is kind of getting into the weeds, but in today's tech savvy world, especially if you're younger or you die in a tragedy, go fund me. That usually really covers the cost of funeral. Yeah. I see that every day on Facebook. You know, somebody died in a car accident, they were younger, maybe not financially sound, and all this money is raised to cover the funeral. Okay, next on the list is uh, organize and document your key personal information. One of the things that you don't necessarily think about is the the funeral director of the funeral home or the priest or the preacher or whoever is talking, whoever is giving a eulogy, they're going to want to know those specific facts about you. But also it helps for, you know, they've got to make, make sure that somebody has your social security number so that they can notify social security that you've passed away so that your benefits can stop and make sure that you've got all of that together. Also, think, you think about details in terms of like, For instance, I'm obsessed with my family tree. I would love to be certain that whatever work I've done on my genealogy and on my family tree is is passed along Mm -hmm. when I'm gone. So make sure you have all of that information gathered together. I know of people that have even gone so far as to write their own obituary. I've considered writing my eulogy, but really because of my sense of humor, it would only work if I had a particular person Mm -hmm. read it. So, you know, there, there, there are things like that that, I, I, that I've considered doing. Obviously, if I wrote my own eulogy, I'm not so into myself that it would be like, Cork was the most awesome person <laughs> yeah. in the world. I would attempt humor to try and raise people's spirits. But having that information, you know, having, having details of a person's life, having details prepared of your life that people can include in, what, in the ways they talk about you after you're gone or not, giving them that option is, is certainly something that you can do. How well do people? How well do the people around you know you? Is there somebody that has all of your information and that can really speak about you? Uh, I think that's a. I think that's an important thing to consider. Well, and you think about it. Used to be the family bible. The family mm-hmm. bible is what had everyone's birth date, death date, everything was in there. And so that's the genealogy you're talking about. Yeah. It was all there, but I don't think that people really are doing that. It's anymore. not as common. Um, There's not the family bible that's. 
you know, in a rough condition because it's been passed from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Let me say one other thing uh, was before we move on to post-funeral reception and, and plans uh, that need to be made for that. Um, let me talk about one thing that I know I think about a lot, but I'm not sure everybody does. And it can end up with resulting in some very comical decisions being made if you don't specify very explicitly what songs you want played at your <laughs> funeral. And not just what songs you want played, but when you want them played. You know, I mentioned that funeral that I went to where they basically had a live uh, acoustic concert in the middle. And that was great because you were you were listening. People were responding to the to the musicians that were playing. There were musicians there to 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 watch perform, basically. Mm -hmm. So you had something to look at. I personally have always felt very awkward when I go to a funeral service that they play music in the middle and. Nobody's talking. Nobody's doing anything. There's just this song playing over the speakers, and you're just supposed to sit there and listen. So I've always wanted to either not have music played in the middle of my funeral for no reason other than for everybody to sit there awkwardly, or if there is going to be music playing, then it's playing while a slideshow is shown yeah. or something like that. You know. But if you have preferences about songs you want to be played and how you want them to be presented, then make sure you make those choices known to people around you as well. Next on the list is the planning for the post-funeral reception. And the interesting thing about this is one of the things that sort of made us decide that we were going to do this topic for an episode was with the funeral that that I recently was sort of tangentially involved in. Uh, I didn't do the planning. It, it all fell to somebody else. But um, with that particular funeral, what, what we came to find out was uh, they really just wanted a room where they could hold the service and a funeral announcement and the death certificates was really all that they, they really needed to get done, somebody to handle the cremation arrangements, so forth. But they weren't really thinking about reception. They they weren't really thinking about uh, a massive wake beforehand or a visitation or a viewing, whatever you want to call it. They had very limited things that they needed to do. But as it turned out, the, a lot of funeral homes have moved to packages where they will provide you with the room for this amount of time where people can come and visit uh, prior to the actual funeral service. And then they will provide you with the room for this amount of time for the actual funeral service. They will prepare if you're going to have an open casket viewing and you're going to be buried, then they will they will prepare that that part of the option. They will make preparations for the hearts to carry the, the coffin to the grave. And if you want a graveside service, they can even coordinate that. That's one package. And then there will be another package that's like the most basic package where... Um, it's just the room for this amount of time to have a basic visitation and then the funeral and then a reception. And that's another, you know, they provide food so that you, and they'll even provide an area where you can have the food set up so that you can have a reception afterwards. And what we came to find out is much like a lot of other businesses out there that bundle things together and will give you a cheaper price if you purchase the bundle than they will give you if you purchase everything a la carte. It's cheaper to buy the bundle at a funeral home, including a, a, the reception part of the package, than it is to just, if you just like, I just want this room for visitation and then for funeral service, I don't need the reception. They're like, well, okay, we can give that to you, but it'll actually end up costing you more than if you just buy this bundle. Um, so that's a, at least they told you that and it yeah. wasn't like, a, okay, yeah, sure. And then it's like, oh, well, crap. Well, yeah, no, they're, I mean, unless you go to an unscrupulous funeral home, they have their scruples. They don't want to be ever accused. I assume the professionals don't ever want to be accused of taking advantage of people who are in mourning. So, yeah. you know, I think that would be a really quick way to get a bad name for yourself. So, yeah, they, 
they have scruples and they definitely are going to communicate with you. But it's just interesting to think about the fact that a lot of people do, you know, your, your basic stages of funeral and mourning, the most basic, I'm not getting into all the details, but visitation, funeral, and then reception afterwards. Mm -hmm. Those, those are the three basic stages. So let's play this out that if you prepaid, you've got your plot, you've got your casket picked, you've got everything picked, but there's going to be things that still have to be determined. Like what food are we going to have? Maybe which pictures, like things like that, that unless you are had somebody really OCD that has put every single thing down on what song they want to play, everything. If you've got family that's involved with this, it can cause some drama mm -hmm. and it can cause some financial strain on that because then if it turns into, oh, well, mom forgot to pick the casket or something like that, but did everything else, then it's like, well, who's paying for that? And so that's why it's important to kind of have these conversations, make sure that it's the wishes. I know when my granny passed away, it was like, no, she wrote this down. This was her wishes. This is what she wanted so that nobody could say, oh, well, that's not what she would want. No, she wrote it down. This is in her handwriting. This is what she would want. I mean, it's with everything. You got to plan it out or else you got to be prepared that it could be chaotic. It could be expensive because obviously it's not something you can be like, oh, well, we'll just wait a couple months and we'll just save up and then we'll do it. No, this is a body. Like you, you've got to be very time sensitive and you can't, you know, in most cases you can't have someone pass away in December and then do a funeral in March. That's true. But keep in mind also that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to argue with you. I'm certainly not trying to mansplain oh, you. like to, you. to argue with me. <laughs> mansplain. But, but, you know, a lot of things have changed uh, because of COVID. And I, I'm not sure that a lot uh, of yeah. these things are going to change back. And so during COVID, you would have a long wait period between somebody de dying and, somebody, and actually having the service. Um, people would hold off because they were hoping that, the, the restrictions might lift or they were holding off because somebody was sick who needed to be there or whatever. And so you would see a lot longer wait periods between death and funeral. So unless you have some sort of religious obligation yeah. to get the body in the ground before a certain period has lapsed or uh, something like that, you know, if, for instance, if, if a person passes away and they've specifically requested cremation, then you can get them cremated and wait a little while. As yeah. long as yeah. you want before you have the service, really. Um, and, you know, maybe they, they wanted to be cremated and have their ashes scattered in Ireland. Well, obviously, that's going to take a while to plan. But um, even if you were going to have a burial, once the embalming has taken place they, and they have storage facilities, you may have to pay for a, a so storage. So maybe that expense. Yeah, yeah. That, there might be that expense. But you could probably even put it off, even if it's even if you're talking about not cremation, but a burial, you could still probably put it off for a little while. So, I mean, maybe something good came out of COVID that I it mean, showed people there is a little bit more flexibility. There, and so yeah. if you're wanting to wait for someone to get home from deployment, or if, you know, I had a situation with my husband's uncle, he passed away and his daughter was mm -hmm. pregnant, about to deliver... And so they wanted to wait until she could travel to be here to be a part of it because it was her dad. Mm -hmm. So that made total sense. I mean, I will say on the emotional side, it's harder because it's stretching it out before yeah. you have closure. But I guess things, COVID has shown us that there are ways that we can preserve the bodies, make sure that it's okay to hold off a little bit before mm -hmm. we yeah. bury someone. It just, I think it's it's made people sort of, it's forced people to to be more flexible in a, in a lot of ways, including things like funerals and so forth. Because 
this may sound crazy to people who are listening, but we were talking about just a second ago, we were talking about post-service receptions, yeah. right? Well, if you're going to have the reception at the funeral home, then that's different than if you're going to have the reception at your house or have the reception. Maybe you're going to have like a reception at a big, maybe this is a, a major person who's passed away and there will be a thousand people who want to attend the reception and you're going to have to rent something. Mm -hmm. Then you may have restrictions on when you can actually get a place to have a reception and you want to have that service coincide with the reception so you you know you're you're juggling all of these different elements that you have to plan for these are all things that you need to take into consideration i mean i personally wouldn't mind foregoing the service part of it and just not even having the service and going straight to having a, a just a big old party again everybody just has to leave unannounced <laughs> Okay, some of these we've touched on, and I'm going to kind of go through these fast, but it's these are not in any particular order, but these are things to kind of think about when funeral planning and kind of the process. Obviously, obtain legal pronouncing of death. Make yeah. sure your hospice nurse, whoever it needs to be, choose a funeral home. Arrange transportation for the body to the funeral home or coroner if autopsy is required. Arrange embalming and preparation of the body if desired. I guess if you were donating organs or something, then that's something that you have to throw in there because I would assume... Yeah. If you, for instance, if you were to pass away in hospice at an elder care facility, then um, the removal of the, the organs will not take place there. It will obviously take place somewhere else. Yeah. But I will say that the funeral home, and if you go through hospice, the hospice people, they all sort of help coordinate those aspects of it. But it's not all... It's not all just automatically done. So they, they are all things that you need to take into consideration. Selecting the clothes for the deceased to wear. This was a surprising one for us. They ask for you to provide an outfit even if even if you're talking about... Cremation. Cremation. Really? Yeah. yeah. We had to provide an outfit for a cremation. And we just hadn't really thought about, about that. Yeah. But, what to put it... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Another thing to think about is the burial benefits of service. So... This would be if someone was in the police, fire department, military. Think back to our secret society episode. Like if someone was in a secret society or mm -hmm. fraternal organization, something like that, that maybe they're needing to have something represented at the service. Um, I, I don't know if y'all have been to military or police funerals, but it's... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. that's a whole production in mm -hmm. its own. And we've talked about some of this before. Decide on type of um, disposition. What is a green burial? No embalming. They don't do anything. They put the body in a biodegradable bag and put the bag in the ground. And sometimes oh. they'll put like a an oak tree seed in there and it yeah. will grow into a tree in your honor, which is kind of cool. Oh, I don't cool. hate that idea. Yeah. I don't either. Okay, here's one that is an expense that we haven't really talked about, and that's the grave marker and inscriptions. Mm -hmm. So, okay, say it's just you figuring out what your grave marker is going to be. Yes, that's expensive. You got to figure out because there's so many different rabbit holes you can do go with that. But if you are having to be buried in a family plot, then it may be that there's already a marker, or you may be the first one that has passed away that needs the marker that's going to set where then the mother and the father and the mm -hmm. children are all going to be on it. I love cemeteries. I'm kind of weird like that. But uh, when I when I go out of town or out of the country and old cemeteries, and you look at it and how it'll have the entire family on there, and I have all these dates, and it's, I think we're kind of getting away from a lot of that as much. It's more of maybe the husband and wife are on there, and it may be that they're all kind of in an area together. But 
that's something you've got to think about. Are you going to share a plot? What happens if you buy a plot together and then you get divorced? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of things with that, too. And mm-hmm. so um, if you do get divorced, maybe make sure you haven't done a plot together or figured that part out because that may be a little awkward when it's like, the ex-husband's getting buried next to mom and mom's been remarried and now there's no room for a new husband. Okay, sorry. Um, choosing florists, that's a big thing. Flower arrangements, picking pictures to display, funeral music, videos. Um, choose what you want to have read, scriptures, poems. Photos to be displayed. This was actually another one that that uh, kind of surprised me, the amount of time that, that we spent just going through pictures, trying to find pictures of our loved one so that we could have uh, photos displayed. Not only physical photos displayed, but also they did a, a video montage of photos. Um, and it, we spent hours going through pictures. Yeah, absolutely. You know, compiling the photos, guest book, that's something... Figuring out if you want to do donations, have a place that you're going to have that, where are the donations going to go, communicating with them, having programs, arranging transportation, choosing officiants, deciding who's going to perform the eulogy, choosing pallbearers, death certificates. This can kind of be a pain, and I know like we deal with this a lot of people who have accounts or our law firm clients that making sure we've got to get death certificates before we can do anything. Generally speaking, if you go to a funeral home and you do everything through a funeral home, the funeral home will take care of getting, ordering the death certificates, but they are going to ask you how many you need. And people ask me frequently, well, how many should I get? I never tell anybody to get anything less than five. Mm-hmm. Five is the minimum. Yeah. Uh, and if you have a person who has uh, a lot of stuff, um, a lot of uh, assets, a very complex estate, you're probably going to want more than five, but at a minimum five. And if you don't use them all, guess what? It's okay. At least you got them. Yeah, but you, a lot of people require an original. You can't just go photocopy it. And so, I mean, the other things on this list is potentially obtain a burial permit, sometimes referred to as a permit for disposition, set a time and date for the service, submit the obituary to selected newspapers. I mean, there may be some that you have to pay to put the obituary on a website or something like that. Mm, Commercial appeal charges you for sure. And um, just going off my own experience, we decided not to do the commercial appeal because first of all, I mean, who reads the commercial commercial appeal? appeal? (laughs) Uh, but also, you can post a, a free obituary on obituary.com. And a, another interesting thing about that is there was no word limit. I had written, I had previously written an obituary that was going into to commercial appeal, and I had a very strict word limit. So I was having to edit down to keep it within the, the maximum words. But on obituary.com, they don't charge you per word. So you could just, you could write as much as you wanted to. So yeah, that's something to think about. Uh, newspapers go in the way of the dodo. Okay, so I feel like I'm probably going to be bullseyeing, so I'm just going to go ahead and throw that one out there. Obviously, no one wants to think about your loved ones passing away. That's really tough. Or even yourself passing away. That's that's hard. And Cam, you started this episode of Would You Want to Know the Day You Die? And I said yes, but then yeah, I probably would be like you and be a worry wart, like, oh, I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time. And I would get so consumed with being stressed if I wasn't getting it all done, knowing that I had a ticking time bomb on my shoulders. Yep, that's that's the thing. It's unfortunately, it's a part of life and we have to face the music. And so being a good steward of your money, being a good daughter, son, whatever it may be, you need to handle this. You need to figure out the plan. You need to figure out, is this going to be pre-planned? Is this going to be something that... Money is just going to be set aside from your parents, from you, from somebody to take care of the expenses. And it's kind of that episode we had a while ago about long-term care. 
you know, you want to talk to them about what would they want to do. But obviously you hope that death is coming later when they're 90, 100, and you're not having to talk about those unexpected because unfortunately you can't plan for that. No one knows when these tragic accidents are going to happen. But if it's a typical thing, then when someone gets to retirement years, that's when it's, what are you going to do for long-term care? What happens when you do pass away? What, how are we going to pay for your funeral? What do you want it to be? And kind of have that because then it will help with stress levels with family if you already know this is what mom would want. So bullseye. I mean, don't say it like it's a question, Katie. Say it with some oomph. Bullseye. <laughs> no, but I guess, first of all, before I really get into my bullseye, we would be remiss if we didn't mention that if you are planning things for your own eventual funeral and uh, arrangements after your passing, then keep in mind that there are items that you have that people will need, such as passwords, access to your digital accounts, and so forth. We've covered that in a previous episode. Cameron, what was that previous episode? Surprise, surprise. It was actually a two-parter. We have two episodes episodes 38 and 39 on digital footprint where people can listen for a deep dive on this topic. Okay, so just make sure that somebody knows how to access your Facebook and your bank accounts and stuff like that online if you're going somewhere. But, you know, trying to think about what I would say as far as my bullseye is concerned, I'm thinking back to the funerals that I've attended. And the one thing that always happens to me whenever I go to someone's funeral or go through the funeral planning process is I always think to myself, what do I want for my funeral? What do I want for when I pass away? And, you know, I'll start a list or I might start thinking about arrangements and so forth. And I never actually get it done completely. But it is something that I recognize the importance of. And I feel like it's something that I should sit down and do. And I'm, you know, I'm I'm not the healthiest guy in the world, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm relatively young. So I'm not exactly thinking that death is knocking on my door or anything, <laughs> but I still think it's, I feel like it's something that I should go ahead and take care of. Having been through the process very recently, we were able to, because of the way everything sort of unfolded, my significant other was able to make a lot of the plans in the weeks leading up to the passing. And that maybe took some of the the pressure off of her because she was able to go ahead and get get some of it taken care of and get it get it done without having to frantically rush around after uh, after the death and, and get it all done at once. So you know if you have a loved one who is whose health is is deteriorating, uh, you can go ahead and start making arrangements if they haven't already. And if they can still communicate with you, then as morbid as it might be and as, as little as you might want to talk to them about it, if death is imminent, it might be a conversation you want to have. Or at least ask them, hey, have you made any arrangements? Where is that paperwork? Where are those instructions? What do you want me to do? Something. Because if, you, if you're left without any idea of what the person wants, then that, I think, would probably be the most stressful situation to be in. Flipping that around, if you're the person who is whose death is imminent and you're able to let people know, then it's okay to talk to them about it. It will take a lot of pressure off of them if you do talk to them about it and let them know what it is you want and how it is you want things. You know, they may not want to discuss it. They may want to be positive and, and say, you know, don't think like that. You're going to make it. But if you know that your death is imminent and you can communicate with them, then it's better to go, I think, to go ahead and communicate with them and let them know what you want. So I guess that's my bullseye this time. My bullseye is simple. I want all of my friends and family at my funeral. I want my four sisters to sing a song. I want the gospel preached and I want a jambalaya festival afterwards. Bullseye. Well. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ho, ladies and gentlemen, there's the closing bell. You've made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and sign up to have our podcast beam directly to your listening device every single Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about Katie or Cameron or me, please feel free to go to our website. At that website, you can drop a suggestion for a topic you want to hear us talk about, or you can volunteer to be a guest on our show. We're always looking for those. That website is bullcastpodcast.com. We also have a Twitter handle, at Bullcast Podcast, and an Instagram handle. You'll see those lovely pics of us. That's at Bullcast Podcast as well. Um, we have a Facebook page, the Bullcast Podcast. Um, and also, if you would like to find out more about where we work, which is Pickler Wealth Advisors, um, if you'd like to find out more about what we actually do for a living, find out about our team, our amazing team, and find out about our boss, David Pickler, please feel free to go to our website. That is Pickler Wealth Advisors. Advisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you plenty of information for this day. So for now, I'm Court. I'm Katie. I'm Cam. 